Good morning, my beautiful renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and yeah, we're going to do a Rogue News segment again, just because um, I haven't found anything for the conspiracy theories yet, or for the pedophiles. Those are kind of kind of hard to find nowadays, but jump in the trenches with me, and let's, you know, read some stuff. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to contact me on the links in the description below. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube is still down because I can't find any other freaking website besides Headliner that will convert my stuff uh, into a YouTube video. But um, if you guys have any suggestions there, please let me know. Because I really liked Headliner. I don't know why they stopped. But, you know, it happens sometimes. But anyway, let's let's just get into the crap. Alright, we got some news from Donald Trump, the king of the Red Kingdom himself. So let us read this. Uh, President Trump, uh, Biden administration is the worst in U.S. history. Yes, sir, it is. President Trump, <laughs> President Trump called on uh, Joe Biden the worst leader in the history of the U.S. and blamed him for the embarrassing failure in Afghanistan when he left $85 billion worth of military equipment with the Taliban. Exactly! Jesus Christ. Uh, During an interview at his Florida Mar-a-Lago resort on Saturday, Trump voiced many concerns as or and issues surrounding the leadership of the Biden administration. He co- he accused Biden uh, for mishandling of the border crisis, runway inflation, and lingering COVID fears under the leadership he deemed as a failed administration. I think you have to say uh, an F and not an F+. plus. It would be an F. It's a failed administration. It's a disaster. We've never seen anything like it. And by the way, I wish he'd do well, said Trump. Uh, you know, I love the country more than I love anything. Family, God, country. You know, we have to take care of our country. I would love to see him do well. I don't think that there has ever been a greater embarrassment uh, as an administration and he, or, and it's too early to do this right now. I'm not going to mess up. And we had everything ready to go. It was, we handed him on a plate, whether it was the border or Afghanistan, we were getting 
but uh, we were going to get out with great dignity and strength. The 45th president um, went on to say how he lost respect for General Mark Milley for agreeing with Biden and saying it would be cheaper to leave the military equipment in the hands of the Taliban instead of bringing it back to the U.S. Yeah, you just gave the Taliban free toys to play with. I mean, you guys are dumb. I want my Trump back. I want Trump back in office. We miss you, Trump. Patriots miss you, dude. Anyway, although he hasn't officially announced if he would be running in the next election, Trump stressed he could solve a lot of problems created by Democrats and pointed out Biden isn't capable of handling gas prices and border energy issues. He claimed he could get a price of gasoline down within six months. <laughs> uh, Trump further said Biden was or has destroyed U.S. energy independence and betrayed America's national interests on many fronts. Meanwhile, amid the countless number of issues he uh, the country is facing, the 45th president hopes he hopes the current administration can start making smarter decisions moving forward. I don't see it happening, sir, but um, Mr. President, I respect you greatly, and we miss you. We want you back. We want you back, dude. Alright, we're just gonna look for the next one together, guys, because I'm tired of just switching between different pages, so we're just gonna... You're gonna, you know, look with me. Let's see. How's your day, guys? Biden meets with Turkey. Turkey's Erdogan at G20 in Rome. No? Let's see. Yeah. Blinken. About 340 Americans, Afghans evacuated. Yeah, there we go. That'll work. Alright. Uh, Blinken. Um, about 340 Americans, Afghans... Uh, evacuated from Afghanistan. Okay, we'll see. Uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken gives insight into the department's efforts in getting uh, Americans out of Afghanistan, as well as um, shoot, I just saw an ad for uh, My Hero Academia. I'm sorry, I got sidetracked. This is how I am in the morning, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken gives insight to the department's uh, efforts in getting uh, Americans out of Afghanistan, as well as current talks regarding the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, Blinken has uh, continued to defend the Biden administration's effort to evacuate um, Americans and allies out of Afghanistan. During a series of interviews on Sunday, Blinken claimed about 340 Americans have been evacuated from Afghanistan since August 31st. Well, save the, the, you know, the Christians that did get murdered by the Taliban, you know, all of those beautiful people, they didn't get spared. You don't care about people biting, you don't care about Christians, you don't care about Americans, you just don't care about Shit. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, this comes as the Biden administration has come under intense scrutiny over the botched withdrawal and has been pressed to do more help than, or uh, help those in danger in the Taliban-ruled country. Blinken stressed his department has ramped up efforts to coordinate better evacuations as more stranded allies have expressed interest in leaving. We're at this 24-7. We have teams of several hundred people uh, in the State Department and also other parts of the government working on this every single day, the Secretary of State said. I don't trust the government as long as Democrats are in it. I'm sorry. Nope. Nope. You got more than half of the House of representatives that that stand for each state, okay? Most of those, more than half of those, are Democrats. Democrats don't care about America. When Biden got in office, it was infested with demon craps, okay? Not only did Biden, who was a Democrat, get elected, But Kamala Harris, who is a Democrat. Nancy Pelosi still stayed. Um, Who else? The Obamas and the Clintons call the, you know, Washington, D.C. home now. And there's so many other people that are Democrats that we see that are now running our country. And that's exactly what they wanted from the beginning. But people still think that Joe Biden shits gold. That's that's hilarious. Uh, Blinken also assessed the department is constantly working with thousands of Afghan allies who qualify for special immigrant visas. Additionally, he touched on nuclear negotiations, saying the U.S. is absolutely in lockstep uh, with France, Britain, and Germany on getting Iran to rejoin the nuclear deal. The four countries are also reportedly working with China and Russia to come up with an agreement to limit nuclear weapons developed in those countries. Okay, for one, why are we still working with China and Russia? China and Russia are communist countries. Okay. Why are we getting advice and why are we working with communist countries when we have a democracy? That's something that we can, uh, you guys should think about. (laughs) Our rights are slowly being taken away, bit by bit. But anyway, let's see what this jerk has to say. Well, the Iranians have now said that they're uh, coming back to talks uh, toward the end of November. We'll see if they actually do. (laughs) That's going to be important. Uh, We still believe diplomacy is the best path forward uh, for putting the nuclear program back in the box it had been in under the the agreement, the so-called JCPOA. Uh, But we were also looking at, uh, as necessary, other options if Iran is not prepared uh, to engage quickly uh, in good faith, to pick up where we left off in June when these talks were interrupted by the, the change in government in Iran. You know, the change in government. Oh my god. Oh. Why are Democrats so dumb?
Okay, we're gonna look for another one. Let's go. Come on, guys, let's go. Let's look for another one. Um, let's see. President Trump says Biden paying immigrant family split. What? President Biden, or I'm sorry. President Trump says Biden is paying immigrant families to split at the border. Not even believable. What? Unvaccinated foreign travelers under age of 18 no longer need self-quarantine upon approval. Uh, let's see. Biden's commerce, commerce secretary tries to defend mishandling of- so, okay. We're gonna do this one. I try not to, like, have my stories redundant. If I've mentioned something uh, in an article about something, I don't want to repeat myself. Like, I don't want to read the same articles twice. But anyway, Biden's Commerce Secretary, Raimondo, tries to defend mishandling of supply chains. You're not going to win there, sweetheart, but okay. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, or Raimondo uh, has continued to defend Joe Biden's poor handling of supply chain disruptions in recent months. I will say we are making progress. <laughs> okay. There's a few, there's quite a few supply ships just sitting there in the sea trying to dock. Okay. They can't. Because of your president, dumbass. But anyway, um, you know, due to the president's leadership, we now have the ports open 24-7. No, you don't. They're still sitting in the fucking sea. <laughs> oh, okay. And the two largest and busiest ports, she said. Okay. But we still have a food shortage. We still have a food shortage. There's not a lot of meat. Uh, in the stores right now. There's not a lot of anything. There's not a lot of choices. Is there? Mm-hmm. During an interview on Sunday, Raimondo uh, claimed the U.S. economy could not be responded or reopened overnight and downplayed the severity of the supply uh, glut in the port of Los Angeles. The, uh, this comes despite the number of cargo ships stuck in the port, <laughs> which has reportedly risen from 100 to 169 in recent days as Biden continues to pay people not to work. <laughs> oh my god. I need to read it again. I don't think, I don't think, I to any of the Democrats listening, I don't think you heard that. During an interview on Sunday, Raimondo uh, claimed the U.S. economy could be reopened, could not be reopened overnight, and downplayed the severity of the supply glut in the port of Los Angeles. This comes despite the number of cargo ships stuck in the port. <laughs> which has reportedly risen from 100 to 169 in recent days as Biden continues to pay people not to work. Oh, I rest my case. <laughs> However, Raimondo 
has been blaming the private sector for Biden's policy failures. There are backups. And as I said, this isn't something that can be fixed overnight. But the important thing is, you know, fundamentally, supply chains and logistics are run by the private sector, said Raimondo. People say to me, will Christmas gifts be delivered? To which I say, call FedEx. You dumb bitch. I'm sorry. Stupid. You're so stupid. There's FedEx. But guess what? FedEx is probably understaffed because you gave everybody freaking stimulus checks to sit on their ass. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that isn't uh, what the government does. Of course it's not what the government does, but guess what the government does do? They give out free money to the American people to be lazy instead of working for what they want. See, the reason why I love Trump is not just because he's a Republican, but it's also because he got people to work. He believes in working hard for what you want. Trump has worked hard for what he got. Okay? And he believes that hard work is rewarding. So, he got people to work. He got people to work on the new, uh, what was it, pipeline from Canada. He got new people to work. He gave people jobs during his speeches. He literally gave people jobs in the middle of his speech. He'll be like, what's your name? So-and-so. So-and-so, I want you to work for me. Incredible guy. You don't see Biden doing that. You don't see Biden doing that. He would rather give people stimulus checks during the pandemic in order for whatever agenda he's about to, you know, put forth. Because if he keeps giving out more stimulus checks, more unemployment checks, if he's able to do all of that, then at some point, the state, the deep state, is going to have an excuse to control you. Because if you're not doing your job and spending your money that Biden has given you, that gives the deep state the excuse to be like, okay, you're not doing your job guess what? We're going to control you now. It's going to happen. That's one of the main reasons why I refuse to accept a stimulus check or any type of unemployment check because I'm proud of what I do. I'm proud of being a recovery coach. I'm proud of working my ass off every day. And that's just how I've been brought up. I'm proud of doing that. I love to work. I love to be exhausted. That's what I do. Okay? Personally, I love to work my ass off. That's me. And I feel like since Obama got elected, because we had Obamacare, we had Obama phones, we had a lot of people coming in on SSI who didn't deserve it, mind you. Okay, I understand that there are disabled people who need SSI. I'm not talking about them, but I am talking about those who don't deserve it, that end up getting on it, and also stifling other people who really needed it. So, guess what? Obama created a lazy generation. 
So no wonder it was a shock to the system when Trump got in office and decided to tell everybody, get up off your ass and work for it. That's a great value. I love that about Trump. Okay? And for some reason, he got so hated because of that, he got kicked out of office, and then you have Joe Biden feeding you vaccines and treating you like a baby again. How many presidents are we going to have to go through in order for the American people to realize that being lazy does not get you anywhere? Hmm? Being lazy does not get you anywhere. We shouldn't have presidents that encourage the American people to be lazy. We should not. I don't care if it's during a pandemic. I don't care if it's during some sort of stock market crash. Do you realize what they did in the 30s when the Great Depression happened? There were so many people desperate for jobs that they lined up at the gates. Okay? People who had no option for any job were flooding at the gates in the 1930s just to get a job to put food in their family's mouths. They didn't have SSI. They worked their asses off for that. So are you telling me that during a pandemic we can't work our asses off because it's so scary? I understand that people have died from COVID, but guess what? More people have died from the fucking vaccine. More people have died from the vaccine than COVID. It's been proven. So I don't care what people say. How about we take the work ethic that people have had from the 1920s to the 1930s and the 1940s, for God's sakes. There was World War II happened and women, housewives, ended up working in factories just in order to provide for their children and defend and protect their husband's honor while they were trying to, you know, kill Hitler. You know? And, and a pandemic, a pandemic is what gets us scared? A pandemic is what gets us scared. The American people are a bunch of sissies. And your ancestors are spitting on you right now because they are completely disappointed in you. I will not accept any stimulus check. I will not accept anything from the government anymore. And yeah, I did accept some shit from the government. But you know what? At some point in my life, when Trump got elected, all right, he said that people who end up having food stamps, they have to work for the food stamps. I thought that was the most unfair thing in the whole world. But guess what? I'm so happy I work for the food that I get now. Because when I was unemployed, when I didn't really have a job, I was depressed as fuck. I didn't have anything that I could call mine. 
I did not work for anything. Everything was given to me by the government, my housing, everything. But guess what? When I found out Trump was like, you know, work for what you got, I got pissed. I used to be one of those people like, oh man, I hate Trump. I hate Trump because of what he, he just doesn't want to leave people alone. The reason why he doesn't want to leave you alone is because he believes in you. He believes in the American people. People. You understand? Biden don't believe in you. He's just sitting there feeding you from a bottle because you let him. Obama didn't care about you. He only cared about your vote. And he did so many evil things too. So are you saying, are, are we better than our ancestors? Hell no. You want to know why? Because they work their asses off every day. Our ancestors are a whole lot more better than us. Because during hardships, they found jobs. They scrounged around to find the only job that worked for them. They were able to make things work. We don't make things work anymore. Things have just been given to us. We are such a privileged nation. And like I said, when there was no money, okay? When there was no jobs, no money, no nothing in the 1930s when the stock market crashed and the Great Depression, people lined up at the gates in order to get a job to provide for their families. In war, women were badasses. They decided, listen, all the men have been drafted into the World War II trying to kill Hitler, all right? We're going to go and work in the factories. We're going to learn. They were inexperienced. They didn't know anything about working in a factory. Most of those women in the 1940s were housewives. But they learned how to work in factories in order to put food in their children's mouths. The American people don't even want to do that. There's women out there that don't even want to do that. Because, oh, I got a stimulus check. I can just sit on my ass and do nothing and I'll earn money. Those people disappoint me. They really do. And I know that they disappoint the ancestors that, you know, built the nation on their backs. Just for you to sit on your ass. Economists say excessive regulations by Biden and California Democrats have crippled trucking and port operations. They added the supply glut is beneficial to large corporations while it's hurting small and medium-sized businesses. Yeah, they don't care. They just want everything corporate because it's just easier. But anyway, that's the politics section. Alright, now it's time for random shit. So, uh, sit tight while I find some random shit. 
Okay, I found one that's kind of interesting. I try to find like the most out there um, articles. So let's just read this one. I don't know what it means. Young people, especially young women, are reporting concerning medical and behavioral changes to media. And I hope we're paying attention. Jesus Christ. Um, is this, like, before I read, I want to know, is this, like, the TikTok trend where everyone self-diagnoses themselves with a mental illness for views and likes and stuff? Like, okay, listen, if you're normal, count yourself blessed, damn it. Jesus. Um, anyway, <laughs> in part of one of this week's newsletter... Why people are already dismissing the Wall Street Journal article about teens developing severe tics after watching numerous TikToks from influencers diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome. What the frick? You don't contract Tourette's! I mean, well, spiritually you might, but, you know. This is an excerpt from Please Like Me BuzzFeed News letter. I oh, mean, I really hate BuzzFeed. I didn't want to read anything from BuzzFeed, but oh well. Newsletter about the how influencers are battling for your attention. Well, of course. You can sign up here. Well, you can sign up for what? Oh my god. Uh, I was really struck this week by this article from the Wall Street Journal. I don't like Wall Street, but whatever. Uh where writer Julie Jorgen connects a rise in cases of teens reporting new physical and verbal tics on TikTok. Well, it is called TikTok um, videos they've consumed. Now, okay, before I start reading this again, just know, if you guys have Tourette's Syndrome, if you guys have um, any type of mental illness, I'm not trying to make fun of you. I am making fun of people who fake this stuff for views, though, because I do know that Tourette's Syndrome and um, mental illness is a very serious topic. I don't like it when people try to jump on the mentally ill bandwagon for attention. Um, that just means that you need to get more attention from your parents because they're probably not giving you enough attention. Um, so, yes. And that's actually true. I'm not actually saying that to, to be sarcastic. This is what actually happens in the home. There's a lack of a father in the home. The children will compete for attention. But anyway, um, according to Jargon's reporting, the previous research, this development involves mostly young women uh, and is heavily influenced by how often they watch TikToks from influencers who, had, who said that they had Tourette's Syndrome. Um, the movements are sociogenic, meaning they are developed socially, but uh, have found uh, profound and real neurological effects. Patients had physical jerks, such as neck twitches, or uh, were compulsively and involuntary repeating a word like beans. Okay, listen. There is one TikToker who does have Tourette's that does, you know, show how she ticks. And she does say beans as a tick. So, um, that just tells me that they're not actually 
they're just imitating her. But anyway, doctors who were cited in the article noted that many of the teen girls with these tics are also diagnosed with depression and anxiety. This thesis, it seems, that doesn't mean that they have Tourette's syndrome, though. That doesn't necessarily mean that they've developed Tourette's syndrome. It just means that they've seen a woman on TikTok who does have Tourette's and she says beans sometimes and they've decided to think that that's cool, okay? She's got many followers and all this stuff. It's just not cute, okay? Anyway... Let's see, the thesis, it seems, is that the pandemic created a cascade of new challenges and coping mechanisms. Um, the more young people were uh, consuming these videos at home, the more the TikTok algorithm fed them to their feeds, and the more the videos were affecting their own physiques and behaviors. Okay. I do understand that you know, cabin fever kind of set in during quarantine and all of that. People who are usually outside are inside. It, it's a, it was really, really bad. Um, so yes, I do believe that, you know, mental illnesses might have kind of crept in and they've kind of developed that, but I don't believe that you just immediately get Tourette's just by looking at TikTok. I don't. Um, unless there's some sort of spiritual side to it, to where these people who have created TikTok has put a curse on everybody who sees TikTok. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I mean, I kind of do, but I know people who are listening probably don't believe in all of that, but there are witches and warlocks out there that do do that stuff. But, um, because the, we consume so much social media content and there is scarce research done on the short and long-term effects, perhaps I shouldn't have been, uh, as shocked to hear about the report as I was, but I am fiercely sobered by it. It's easier to neglect the sinister consequences of social media than to stare squarely into its eyes. Like... This WSJ report uh, did breaking. Turns out that, that the poorly regulated 24-hour content mill of the extremely online, or being extremely online, is really threatening to our mental health. Well, yeah, because you're not actually developing um, good social skills. You're not. People need contact. People need physical people to talk to. Um, you know, people get lonely, so sometimes we, you know, go to social media on different platforms across, you know, the whole span of the internet, and we find people that uh, can be near and dear to us, but that's not enough because we don't see them in front of us physically. Um, they're not going to be as familiar as their loving mom or dad or their best friends that they've seen every day. Um... So, I can understand that uh, mental illness has kind of crept in during the uh, pandemic and, you know, quarantine and all of that. But, like I said, I believe that this is just an imitation thing because kids are bored. They see a woman ticking on 
uh, TikTok, and they think it's cool, and so they decide to do it for attention too. And the thing is, is that it, the one woman that I know that they're talking about, um, she doesn't do that for attention. She's just kind of, you know, raising awareness about her mental illness. And I don't think it's fair to say that all of these kids somehow have developed some sort of phenomenon of mental illness, or at least not all of them, when they're just merely copying somebody on TikTok. You know what I mean? Um, mental illness isn't a trend, it's not cool, it's not something to um, glorify. I don't believe it's something that we should glorify because it's a mental illness. Illness is a cripple. And when I say Ill mental illness is crippling, it's because people tend to embrace their mental illness instead of actually finding a way to recover. People will sit in their mental illness thinking that it's okay, that they're fine with it. And trust me, I've been there. I have. I used to be so depressed that I used to just be fine with it. It just became part of my life. And deep down, I wasn't okay with that because in in my um, mind, I was like, I'm not normal. I'm not normal. I want to be like a normal person. I want to function like a normal human being. And the thing is, is that normalcy, for one, doesn't exist, but there is a form of normalcy to you, personally. There is a way that you can recover and become your normal self again. I don't believe anybody um, should just take a diagnosis and put it as part of their identity because it's not something that is a part of you. I don't believe that. And I know a lot of people might disagree, and that's fine. You can disagree with me. But as far as my experience goes and what I've gone through and how I've recovered fully, I see that I know that there's so many different possibilities of people able to recover, but mental health facilities want to keep people sick, keep them medicated, keep them coming to the therapist because that's their bread and butter. But the thing is, is that recovery is achievable. It's not just possible, it's achievable. It's a goal that can be achieved. It's real. It's a real thing, guys. So please understand that. Is it going to be a hard and rocky ass road? Fuck yes. Okay? I've gone through shit in order to get where I'm at. <laughs> and I'm so grateful where I'm at. I'm so happy at, you know, where I'm at. Because guess what? I now know that what has happened for me can happen for you, can happen for other people. That's one of the reasons why I'm a, that is the main reason why I'm a recovery coach now. Because I want to teach people like, hey, you don't have to stay where you're at. You don't have to stay in that rut that your illness has made you. You don't have to make your home in that. You can get out of that and on a mountain where you can see everything, see every possibility for your success. You can't see that in a hole. You don't dig yourself a hole and live in it and think that that's okay. Okay? Do not limit yourself. 
ever. But let's go back. Um, but it is also concerning to observe how the public received this story, since it is, or since it involved uh, many young women and their social media use. I worried that people would mock or dismiss their ailments. Nothing brings uh, dissenters online like reading about how young women are suffering because of the holding uh, power of tech companies exploiting and profiting off of their dependencies. I understand that too. Some people... um, I feel like, I don't know, um, when it comes to somebody who's going through Tourette's syndrome, it is a hard thing to recover from. I don't know of anybody who's actually recovered from Tourette's syndrome. A lot of the people who I've seen just believe it's a part of themselves, and um, I've seen people ask um, certain people who were suffering from Tourette's, would you ever want to get it removed from your life? And they would say no. Because they believe it's part of them. It's because they, they, they believe it's just how they are. And, um, so... I don't want to say that people who are suffering from Tourette's glorify their mental illness or their, you know, uh, the problems that they have. But I do believe that TikTok is making a lot of money off of these people. So I don't believe it's them glorifying what, you know, they're going through. I believe TikTok is glorifying what they're going through. But um, that's probably one of the many reasons why a lot of people who do suffer from that have many followers. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I can't really speak on anybody who's suffering from Tourette's. I, I can't because I've never gone through it. Um, but I do understand that there are big tech companies that want to profit off of mental illnesses in order to get other people into believing that, oh, well, if that person's suffering from that, it kind of sounds like what I've been going through, so I must have this, or I must have that. You know, um, the internet in general is a place where so many people can compare themselves to others. And, you know, that can go with beauty, with strength. Like, women I know constantly compare themselves to Instagram models. So when people who are suffering from any type of mental illness or any type of sadness, any type of loss or anything like that, and they see somebody you know, talking about their mental illness, they're going to compare themselves naturally to that person. Um, the response was mixed. Many people were as struck as I was by the report and plenty predictably minimized it to Twitter punchlines and began casting a lot of doubt. I reached out to Dr. Caroline o- Olvera a neurologist and movement of movement <laughs> disorders uh, 
at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago cited in the WSJ piece. She's one of the few medical professionals actively studying this case and other sociogenic changes due to the social media. Olvera gave me a lot more context to her own research uh, and why the new cases, sorry, are being diagnosed as functional neural, I can't say that, neurological disorder, functional neurological disorder, um, as opposed to classic Tourette syndrome. Okay. I won't be able to parlay all of that in this newsletter. It's profound and very dense, and you can read more about it here. Okay. Um... But the thing I want to emphasize is just how legitimizing um, her research is for these TikTok-induced tics. They may be atypical compared to how we've um, conceptualized or diagnosed disorders before, but the behavioral patterns and obstacles they present are very, very real. Um... Like I said, I don't believe that Tourette's is a learned behavior. I don't believe it's something that you can just learn and pick up like like you can store. I you can't something and make it yourself. Unless you really really want that. You have like uh what is it? Uh disab- like it's called like disability identity disorder or something like that where people who are fully functional wish that they were blind or wish that they had no leg or wish that they couldn't walk. Um, I don't know if that's the technical term for it, but there are people out there that wish that they had a disability because they don't feel complete, which I feel is more spiritual than mental, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, you guys already know that I believe that a lot of things are more spiritual than mental or physical sometimes because we do deal with the spiritual realm and spiritual realms do feed us things every single day. Um, but anyway, historically and currently, I believe that women's medical complaints are sometimes minimized compared to men. Oh God, don't do the feminist card, please. For example, the term mass, sociogenic, psychogenic illness is previously called mass hysteria. Okay, I can understand mass hysteria, but the thing is, mass hysteria is a learned behavior whether they believe it or not. Whether the victim believes that it's a learned behavior or not. Okay. We've heard of the dancing illness back in the day in the 1600s, in the medieval times, where somebody just started dancing out of nowhere, and then the whole village just ended up dancing. And they would die from exhaustion, they were crying while they were dancing, it was a very weird thing that happened. It was a huge phenomenon. To this day, we don't know what actually happened. I believe it's spiritual. It could have been um, a mass demon possession. But, 
you know, me, I, I do have to talk about that a little bit because it's true. I, I've seen, um, I just know that stuff like that happens in the spiritual world, but, um, referring to the uterus, what, where did, how did we get from mental illness to the uterus people, um, previously called mass hysteria referring to the uterus and thus the underlying assumption may be that this is a phenomenon only affecting women who have gone crazy or hysterical okay um if you're going hysterical by watching tiktok you need to stop you need to stop watching tiktok Okay? Easy as that. It's like an addiction. You you want to stop feeding a, an addiction? You slowly wing yourself off of it. Um, this isn't mass hysteria. This isn't some sort of psychogenic disorder. This is women not knowing what to do with their free time. And so they think it's cute to do tics because that's the new thing that's something that they've compared themselves to because they've seen a woman who's suffering from Tourette's on TikTok and they think that that's cute and oh, you know, my value um, is how many followers I have on TikTok. I only have a hundred, she has two million. Oh, okay, well, if I tick like her, maybe I'll get more views. Oh my god, it's working, we're gonna keep doing it. I'm a woman, guys. Alright? I know what women are thinking. She also pointed out other examples of women's complaints being minimized, such as how long it's taken society to offer and normalize pain medication for childbirth. Uh, with more and more women becoming doctors, I think the perspectives are changing to make women and their complaints more seriously. Um, listen, you guys know how I don't, I don't have many friends that are women because I say things, I tell things like it is and most of the women that I've been friends with have gotten very offended by what I say. Women can be very, very, very extremely emotional okay it doesn't have to be on their period it doesn't have to be you know during any time you know during their feminine time it doesn't have to be during their period that they can be um, very uh, emotional there's a difference between being emotional and having a mental illness okay if you are getting emotional over the fact that you're not having enough attention online, that's your doing. That has nothing to do with a mental illness. That has nothing to do with Tourette's syndrome. And for anybody who has learned how to tick and you're not actually diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome, get a damn job. Stop looking at TikTok. Make a life for yourself. 
And thank God that you don't have a mental illness, okay? We have certainly come a long way, but there is still a long way to go with society in general. So this has just slowly become a feminist, um, like a feminazi article. But you know what? I've come this far. I'm going to keep reading because, you know, I've already read it. I always pick the strangest times to do my podcast. There's always somebody doing something in the hallway. So, whoo. Does she suck up my doormat with her? Ooh. I'm going to have to get myself a new doormat, guys. I think she sucked it up with her vacuum. Anyway, she believes social media is the catalyst for not the root for worsening mental issues. Or, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. She believes social media is the catalyst, if not the root, for worsening mental health issues. Um, I, I can understand that. Like, if someone is going through depression and they're constantly lonely, they're going to find something on the internet as solace. That's just how that is. I've gone through that too. But when it comes to women pretending that they have Tourette syndrome, that is just women being emotional because they don't have enough attention. If they're pretending that they have Tourette syndrome, it doesn't mean that they have a root somewhere in mental all of the time. It just means that they have decided to act like they have a mental illness when they don't for attention and it'd be wise if uh, we took these young women and other people reporting concerning behavioral changes seriously Olvera noticed uh, she developed mild tics herself a lot of eye blinking okay I understand that a lot of eye blinking is part of um, anxiety or even Tourette's. Understandable. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have Tourette's syndrome. Okay? It doesn't mean that you have Tourette's syndrome. After speaking weeks watching, or I'm sorry, after spending weeks watching similar TikToks uh, for her field research. Social media use um, has, I'm sorry, social media use has previously been tied to worsening depression, anxiety, and eating disorders in those who may be more susceptible to these disorders. She said, in general, tics are very suggestible, so watching them in videos may provoke them to worsen. Um, like I said, if someone who has Tourette's is watching somebody who has Tourette's tick on TikTok, well, I mean, that would probably mess with their pattern of ticks. But like I said, if you have never been diagnosed, you don't have any family history of Tourette's syndrome, 
and you know that you don't and you're just doing it for damn attention, get a fucking job. Anyway, let's see. What did it say? Worsening depression, anxiety, and eating disorders. Well, guess what? We have Eugenia Cooney on TikTok and YouTube. So yes, she does encourage eating disorders. And I love her very much, and I hope to God at some point she does get help. Because she's not helping the viewers and the young girls that are watching her wishing that they, they would look like her. Alright? There have, Anxiety, there's people who have anxiety attacks on their TikToks or on their lives for attention. Okay? Now, I can understand if you're just having a normal life or if you're having... Well, I, I would say a normal life because a TikTok, you can just literally record it and it's your choice whether or not to post it. So, if it's a post, then you're doing it for attention. Okay? If you're on a live and somebody does say something and you end up having an anxiety attack, yes, that's normal. People do that. I don't believe it's necessarily their fault or that they're doing it for um, attention, but they also have their choice to end the live. Okay? If they're just dragging it out, then, yeah, it would be for attention. Uh, there's people who cry. I've seen people who cry over comments. Comments! Some mean comments! Okay? I've seen young people on TikTok cry, okay, on their TikToks and post their reaction to the comment as if they, they want attention, they want someone to hug them. And you know what? That's kind of sad because guess what? There is a big reason why a lot of young people do these things. They're not getting enough attention in the home, people. Okay, I can sit here and say that young women, you know, should get a job and stuff like that for a main reason is because women who fake Tourette's in order to get more followers, that's not going to put food on the table. That's not going to help you in your life. So therefore... You're just making your life worse for yourself if you fake things in order to get more attention, okay? If you're a woman, if you're like in your 20s or your 30s and you're doing this stuff, go get a job, okay? If you're young women, like from 19 to 13, maybe even 12 to 8, those kids need to learn that they are loved. Okay, I cannot tell you how many young people have come into my center who have, you know, I don't want to say anything, but I've just, I've seen a variety of people come in. Young people, okay, they share my, their stories with me, okay, and I'm going to keep it confidential, okay. But in general... There's a lack of fathers in the home. There's reasons why there's young people crying, ticking, having anxiety attacks, and even showcasing their anxiety disorders on TikTok or any social media platform. It's because they don't have enough attention. They don't have enough 
love being displayed in the home. They don't. That, to me, for those young women in that age demographic that I just displayed, that I just said, from 19 to 8 years old, they're crying out for help. Okay? That's a social media outcry for help, for for love. They're looking for love in all the wrong places. And I blame the fathers that are not there to love their daughters. What the hell are you doing? A daughter needs to be nurtured and raised up to be a good woman. What the hell are you doing? There's a lack of fathers in the home in America in general. I'm sure that there's a lack of fathers in every other country too. There is a big lack of fathers in the home in order to structure their daughter's life. Because guess what? We have demonized masculinity. The society that we live in today has demonized masculinity. People today, they believe that masculinity is wrong. Women believe that masculinity is threatening. There's tons of spells out there looking for an Ahab. Just saying it bluntly. There's tons of women out there that will verbally abuse their boyfriends or husbands. Okay? And that forces them to leave their children because they're not being respected in the home. So yes, there is a big absence of a father in the home because of either the wife or the girlfriend sometimes. Okay? Not all the time. Sometimes, you know, the father or um, the boyfriend, you know, they end up leaving for whatever reason. Sometimes it is a man's fault. But understand this. The lack of the father in the home, I've said before in one of my other podcasts, is a very big life or death situation for the child. An absence of the father could kill a child. So all of these kids that are pretending that they have a mental illness, they're only doing it because they don't have enough love in the home. Anyway. Olvera noted, however, that social media also has the ability to act as almost a global support group for those who have the same illness. Not all the time. Because like I said, if you don't have direct contact with somebody to talk to you face-to-face, physically, whatever advice you get from the internet, from people who are suffering from the same thing, it is going to fizzle out very quick. Because you don't have somebody who is going to physically talk to you, or touch you, or, you know, be there for a physical support. Um... The visibility of Tourette's Syndrome on TikTok is ultimately great for 
those who are diagnosed, but she advises undiagnosed users to turn to medical professionals for counsel instead. Exactly. Um, I imagine that noticing these kinds of changes in their bodies, or in our bodies, add in our uh, daily habits, is a very jarring experience, uh, especially when there aren't a lot of concrete answers in it's easy uh, to doubt ourselves or even dismiss stimuli like social media as being a cause. There are already a lot of prejudices against women, especially young women, especially young women of color. You just had to put that in there, didn't you? Whatever. Uh, who raise their health concerns even more so if they don't neatly fit into traditional con conceptualizations of medical conditions. So it'd be wise and responsible if we paid attention now instead of paying the price of these conditions worsening in the future. While my patients have been using Google for quite some time to research their illnesses, uh, it may be that now patients are going to social media to gather information on their medical illnesses, said Alvera. As a medical profession, we are at the very beginning of understanding how social media may positively or negatively impact our patients and what type of information uh, patients are obtaining online. Until next time. Okay, so... Here's the thing. The quarantine has really pushed people into the internet. And yes, that has developed um, some socially awkwardness in some people, social issues, social anxiety, and even mental illness. Okay? I'm sure that there's a lot of people that have developed depression um, during quarantine because they can't see their family, they can't see their friends, they can't see their loved ones. I understand that. The internet can be a very good use for things and also be very, very bad. Um, I think most people know that. There's a good and bad side to the internet. But using it to diagnose yourself is a big no-no. Um, if you are truly experiencing stuff like this, please talk to your doctor, um, sometimes maybe even your preacher, your pastor, if you have one. I, I don't even believe in pastors anymore, but listen, I could tell you to turn to God. I will. If you really want to, turn to Jesus, okay? I'm not going to sit here and say, you need Jesus because you're mentally ill and you're demon- No, I'm not going to say that. I will say that a lot of this stuff is spiritual. And if I don't say that it is not- There isn't some sort of spiritual component within this issue, then I'm being irresponsible. Um, so, yes, if you guys believe that it's spiritual, go ahead and believe it, that it's spiritual like I do. Because I do. I believe that mental illness is, isn't just something mental, it's spiritual. I used to believe that mentality and spirituality did not mix, but they actually do. They do. 
Um, and yes, I do believe that anything negative, like the spirit of poverty, the spirit of depression, PTSD, the spirit of Tourette's, and yes, I know that people are not going to like that when I say that, they do exist. These spirits do exist. So, I'm not saying that these people who are suffering from those mental illnesses are demon-possessed, necessarily. I do believe that they are familiar spirits that need to be extracted from your life. There's a difference between a demon that possesses you and a demon that just stalks you. A demon that just stalks you, I feel like, is more dangerous because you keep living with it. And it's like a constant homemate. But, um, anyway. Um, and yes, it can be triggered by the internet. It can be triggered by a lot of things. Um, just like suicide can be triggered by movies and stuff like that sometimes. Like, the whole blue whale thing was a thing. And people who were, um, suffering from depression, or not even suffering from depression, just not feeling like themselves sometimes, um, you know, they ended up doing this challenge and then they would end up killing themselves. Yeah, I do believe it's an internet phenomenon as well, but I do believe that there is some sort of spirituality behind it too. But, um, as far as, like, people who do physically um, develop this stuff, I understand. Go talk to somebody, go talk to a professional, because um, self-diagnosing yourself is very dangerous. Um, I know a lot of young people don't believe that it's a big deal, but it is. Um, and another thing, if you are just doing this for attention, you need to be loved. If you're a younger person, you need to find real love. And I hope that you find it in the right place with your parents or with your friends. People who are there to support you and raise you up and make you a better person. Um, because doing things for attention is only going to last for a good time. For a little bit of time. And then you're just going to end up being empty again. And I don't want to see that for any of my listeners or any TikTokers for that matter because um, I just don't want them to go through that. I don't want anybody to go through that. Um, people deserve love. People need to be loved. People need to be listened to. That's what I believe. Um, so if, you, if you're a young person who is, you know, going through this and you heard me read that article, please don't think that I'm being insensitive. Uh, to a young child. A young child feels a whole lot more than an adult does and they receive things and they understand things a whole lot more than we give them credit for. So when they see their favorite TikToker ticking on TikTok, oh my gosh, <laughs> that, try to say that five times fast. TikToker ticking on TikTok. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it, then, you know, it's like an idolatry sort of thing. Like, she's my idol, so I want to be like her. Just like Eugenia Cooney is an idol for young girls to be skinny. Even though she may or may not, you know, intend that. 
Oh, you know, at this point I think she, she does. And I know I'm kind of drifting, but... Children need love. They need real love. They need um, parents, siblings, grandparents, aunts, aunts who truly want to nurture them and raise them up as good people. Um, and as far as adults who are doing this, y'all must be um, not millennials. I don't know. I feel like younger millennials might be hopping on this bandwagon, at least. Um, but if you're Generation X... And you're about... Oh, I don't know. See, I don't know anything past the millennial age group. <laughs> but I don't think there's anybody in the X generation or Generation Z or whatever this new generation is called. Uh, I don't think any of them are really adults yet. But um, if there are, dude, just get a job. Make something of yourself. It's okay. You can work. You can work and have fun at the same time. It's actually what allows you to live, is to work. Okay? Anyway, um... We're gonna take a break, cause I gotta do the dishes, I gotta clean the house. So, you guys do the same, you nasty- No, I'm kidding. I love you guys. <laughs> Alright, this next one is about Babylon, so let's get to it. Hey. Archaeologists, um, stunned by unusual- Okay, hang on. I gotta accept cookies for a second. Okay. Um, archaeologists stunned by unusual construction material found in Babylon. Hmm. Okay. Traces of bitumen and mortar were found in a brick from ancient Babylon. And so this is from the Tower of Babel, it looks like. Um, from the picture, it looks like it's from the Tower of Babel, so that's interesting. Uh, let's see, archaeology, okay, I already did that one. Um, the Bible contains several mysterious stories, none of, uh, none more so than the Tower of Babel. Um, its existence is has eluded researchers for years, while many assert that it is merely metaphorical. Um, others claim the tower was a real serving structure. According to the Bible in Genesis 11, 1 through 9, the tower was built um, in the land of Shinar, Babylonia. Some time after the Great Flood. Yep, it was built by a ruler uh, named Nimrod. And Nimrod was from um, Noah's bloodline because after the Flood, Noah and his family were the only um, people that were survivors. So, um, he was one of the surviving bloodlines from Noah's from Noah. So, um, 
he decided since this world was governed by God that he would try to challenge God. So he built this huge um, tower, this very tall tower that stretched up to the sky. He made people, he made his slaves uh, do all of the work, basically. And um, just built this tower. And when the tower was finished, he ended up going up to the top of the tower and challenging God, took a bow and arrow, and shot it straight through the sky. And because of that, God kind of was like, bro, you're not greater than me, sorry about that, but, you know, I gotta punish you to make an example of you. So, (laughs) um, a great earthquake happened, and everyone started speaking a different language and people believe that um, that's how the um, different languages came to be. But I don't know. I feel like maybe that was just gibberish but it all kind of depends on like the reality of it. Um, People do believe that that's how we got Anyway, um, what else? No, but that's how people believe the, uh, different, um, languages came to be because of Nimrod being, um, pretty stupid to, uh, challenge Jesus. Or, not challenge Jesus, challenge God, uh, because Jesus wasn't born yet. But... Um, like I said, I think it might have just been gibberish in order to, um, kind of confuse Nimrod. That way he wouldn't be able to communicate with his own people. Um, because everyone but him understood each other. So, um, yeah. But then again, I feel like they did have different languages beforehand. It was just him and his land that you know, kind of got separated between a language barrier. But, uh, I don't know. I could be wrong. And that's okay. Increased interest and research has offered up a handful of vital clues and evidence for the tower's existence, including the unusual construction material discovered in a brick believed to have been part of the tower. Um, the brick was commissioned by King Nebuchadnezzar, the man who researchers believe ordered the tower's construction. No. King Nebuchadnezzar was somebody who was part of the Bible, yes. But I don't know if he actually did that. I don't think it was commissioned by Nebuchadnezzar because Nimrod was the one man that did all of this. But anyways, in a bid for a world supremacy in 
586 BC, he stormed Jerusalem, a city 500 miles to the west, capturing most of highly skilled and highly educated citizens. Their plight and how their presence in Babylon may hint at the existence of the tower was recalled during the Smithsonian Channel's documentary uh, Secrets Unlocked the Tower of Babel. Okay? But it wasn't Nebuchadnezzar. It was Nimrod. Um, and I don't know why people think that Nimrod, like when calling somebody a Nimrod means they're stupid. Well, I guess it was kind of stupid that Nimrod decided to challenge God. But, I mean, it was just his name. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's why it's called the Tower of Babel, because um, his people were babbling to him, that they only babbled nonsense to him um, compared to uh, everyone else speaking the same language but him. So, let's see here. It is believed that these people were brought into Babylon, located in modern-day Iraq. Um, they were turned into slaves, forced to work, and kept in captivity. Some experts believe that these captive Jews witnessed the tower being built and were at first mesmerized, but soon looked at the structure as a symbol of their oppression. Yeah, I understand that. Dr. Irving Finkel of the British Museum said, When you look at the early chapters of the Bible, it is clear that some of it is drawn from Judean's own records and some of it incorporates narratives which they must have encountered for the first time in Babylon, uh, which were so powerful and striking that the authors were, uh, the authors, philosopher, I can't read, God, the philosophers who uh, worked on the Hebrew texts, incorporated them to tell their own story. Wait, what? Are you saying that the Bible isn't real? You jerk. When you look at the early chapters of the Bible, it is clear that some of it is drawn from the Judeans' own records, and some of it incorporates narratives which they must have encountered for the first time in Babylon, which is so powerful and striking the authors and philosophers who worked on the hero texts incorporated them to tell their own story. Okay. Um, the documentary's narrator noted there's a compelling clue in the story that backs up the theory that Jewish slaves witnessed the tower being built during their time in captivity. Well, of course, because they built the tower, guys. It's not that hard to make out. Presenting the original Babylon brick found um, in modern-day Iraq, they continued, It carries traces of unusual construction material from the time bitumen and ancient tar and mortar, what that's specifically mentioned in the Bible, in the biblical tale. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
Uh, researchers know Nebuchadnezzar commissioned the brick because there's a stamped inscription of his name in the front. And people say that the Bible isn't real. People say that the Bible is not real. You got Nebuchadnezzar's uh, seal on the brick, dude. Um, amazing. Anyway, um, I'm still trying to figure out why they're not mentioning Nimrod, but um, there's a stamped inscription on his name in front of it. Okay. Um, the edge of the brick is covered with a murky black. This is bitumen. Um, in the book of Genesis, it literally says that they use brick or stone and bitumen for mortar. Um, it's especially said there. Um, what we have here is one brick and it's bitumen, which fits uh, exactly into that special context. There can be no doubt that the stimulus for the story and the narrative must have been shape, uh, shaped during the Babylon exile. The evidence could help prove the, t the existence of the Tower of Babel, its story written by um, a desperate population in exile held captive by a ruthless king. Okay, you did not, however, mention Nimrod. Nimrod was the one that challenged God. You did not at all talk about the story of Nimrod, which kind of makes this research a little one-sided, and it kind of upsets me. Like, if you're going to talk about the Tower of Babel, talk about the guy who started it all. Anyway, drawing on the research of Dr. Finkel's conclusions, the narrator said, the destruction of the tower was their way to rewrite story. It's a fiction rooted in truth. No, it's not. Fuck you. Oh my god. See, this is this is why I don't like scientists most of the time. Because scientists are so scared. Some of them anyways. Some of them actually do believe in God. But some of these researchers and scientists, they refuse, they will like admit part of the Bible is true, but all oh, the existence of God, no, 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 that don't happen, that he don't exist. <laughs> um, you either take the Bible as truth or you don't, that's just how it is. You can't just pick and choose what you like. Um, that's called creating a graven image of what you want instead of what, you know, is actually true. So the fact is, is that, yes, the history is true to you, but the existence of God creating the earthquake and making everybody talk gibberish isn't true to you. And yes, to any outsider who reads the Bible and reads this stuff, reads what's in it. It is outlandish to you, probably. But don't outlandish things happen outside every day? Can't outlandish things happen in reality, too? There's people that get miraculously healed. And yes, 
I understand that preachers and pastors fake that sometimes. But there are people that get miraculously healed for real, and they cried out for God. That doesn't make God real to you? You're just going to say it's a coincidence? Don't say that it's a coincidence. I believe it's God. You know, I mean, I believe in God. I, I believe in his miracles. I believe that he sent his son to die for me. I still can't fathom the fact that he thought of me when he sent his son to die, which is beautiful and also strange to me. But I accept it because I believe it. You know, I guess the belief in God has to be personal to the person who is trying to understand God. I can't just sit here and tell you to believe God. I won't do that. I'm not going to preach at you. God is a God of intimacy. He believes that he wants a relationship with you personally. It's a personal relationship. So when people get healed or people um, have miracles happen in their lives and they cry out to God, that's God reaching out and wanting that relationship with you. You know? I don't know. I just don't think that accepting one part of the Bible as historically accurate, but the existence of God is not historically accurate, is just wrong. Because I've read the story of uh, the Tower of Babel and Nimrod, and you know what? I believe it. Because I just- I believe in God. That, that's me. But, um... There's a lot of epiphanies, there's a lot of things in the Bible that people just choose not to believe in. And, I mean, that's okay if you want to not believe in it. But when you mess with the Bible, and my God, who did do these things, that's where I have to draw the line. I I'm sorry, you don't have to believe in it, but when you just decide to be God yourself and say, oh, well, this happened, but Jesus didn't, you know, cause the earthquake and make people, you know, talk in different languages. I mean, there's people who believe in um, a God with blue skin, and when he opened his mouth, people could see the universe. Okay? That's ridiculous to me. Okay? People believe in... Uh, what's another god? Okay, um... People believe in a god that birthed a six-legged horse. And he was a male. There are people that believe in those gods. Um, what's another one? I'm trying to think of another one real quick. Hmm... I don't know a lot of gods because I only know one. <laughs> but, uh, let's see here. 
Dang it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know a lot of mythology, but those are two examples, you know. Um, I guess, yeah, um, some people believe in a demigod that killed um, Hades' son with the stare of Medusa's head. You know, Perseus. People believe in that. But to believe in God who made this happen, that's ridiculous. There's people out there but that believe in ghosts and demons and warlocks and they believe in witches and they, they believe in that stuff. But when they mention God, when they mention Jesus Christ, they mention the existence of God. Oh, no, no, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in God. I don't, I, I don't, I don't. I'm fine with believing in ghosts and demons and stuff like that. I believe in aliens too. But God? No, 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 no. Is it just because God is closer to reality for people that it's okay to believe in uh, Rama who, you know, spits out the galaxy or... I don't know. I just, I can't, I can't believe in those. And that's fine. I'm sure people who do believe in those will ask the same question. Well, you don't believe in my God, but you'll believe in this God. Well, that's okay. But I'm just saying, God makes an earthquake. And everybody ends up having a different language than Nimrod. So he cannot understand. So therefore, he's not the ruler anymore. He's not greater than anyone on Earth anymore. That was the lesson that God was trying to tell Nimrod. Like, you are not greater than me. But, um... Yeah. I don't know. There's just so many ridiculous things that people believe in. But when... Jesus comes up or when God comes up in a conversation it's like oh no 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 we're not gonna talk about that heck no 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 nope 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 it's fine anyway um drawing on the research of Dr. Finkel's conclusions the narrator said the destruction of the tower okay so the destruction of the tower was there uh way to rewrite history, it's a fiction written in truth. No, it's not. But anyway. Aside from the tower, the exact location of Babylon has also been point of contention. Many claim that the uh, ancient city was within the borders of the modern-day Iraq. But others say it was elsewhere in the Middle East. We don't actually know where Babylon was. We, we cannot... Um, located. We also cannot locate the Garden of Eden where it would have been on Earth. Um, there are certain places that I feel like God does not want us to know about yet, just because um, we're not ready <laughs> to accept the reality of things yet. Just like these scientists can't accept the reality of, that Jesus actually did what he did, or God... To me, Jesus and God are the same person because they're all three in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So 
So when I say Jesus, most of the time I mean God. And when I mean, when I say God, I mostly mean Jesus. <laughs> but, um, let's see. Writing for Answers in Genesis and, uh, Habermill, we're going to say that, argued that the historical, geographical, and geological, um, okay, I'm, I'm done with these pop-ups, but anyway, geological, why can't I say geological, geological analysis shows that Shinar, uh, cannot have been in the south, but rather was territory in what um, is northeastern Syria today. She added that Tower of Babel uh, was most likely built in Kabur River, a triangle of North Syria, um, somewhere inside a triangle marked at its points by Telbrak and could have and could not have been located anywhere in southern Mesopotamia as has been traditionally believed. There is a possibility that we may find the actual site of the Tower of Babel, but this will require further research as well as on-site archaeological excavation. Regardless, the overwhelming majority of research and historical literature uh, suggests that Babylon was located six, around 60 miles south of Baghdad. The city served for nearly two millennia as a center of Mesopotamian civilization. Babylon was also home... Um, hang on, was also home to another feat of engineering said to be one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Okay. That was one of the wonders, ancient wonders of the world? Okay. I thought that was, that, that was historically accurate, that the Hanging Gardens of Babylon was a thing. I even learned that in uh, seventh grade. Um... They have gained something of a legendary status described as resembling a large green mountain with an ascending series of tiered gardens um, containing a wide variety of trees, shrubs, and vines. According to the legend, the hanging gardens were also built by King Nebuchadnezzar alongside a palace known as the Marvel of Mankind. As with the tower... Um, of Babel. It is yet unknown if the Hanging Gardens really existed or where they were located. Okay. I think that's it. That's the whole article. Alright. On to world news, people. Alright, today, we, okay, hang on, everything's popping up on my phone, 
Alright, today we have three uh, news segments here on World News. So, let us... Uh, why am I making it sound like I'm a herald announcing the queen? Well, anyway, we're going to do Britain, uh, Kenya, and Belgium today. Yay! Okay, this one comes from Britain, and it is a, um, a Chinese family, I feel. Um, but here we go. Yep, treachery, Chinese takeaway, stabbed stepdad, found teen lifeless. Hang on, my husband's texting me. Yes, I want food. Man broke down as he told the story of the moment of uh, seeing his daughter's lifeless body uh, shortly after he had been repeatedly stabbed. I'm really sorry if I mispronounce any of these words. Um, please forgive me. <clears throat> Yong Quan Jiang said 16-year-old Wen Jing Lin was purple when he found her by the counter of the Blue Sky Takeaway in Herbert near Triokji uh, in March. Uh, Chun Zhu denies murdering the teenager and the attempted murder of Mr. Jiang, but he admits killing Wen Jing and the unlawful wounding of Mr. Zhang. So basically, he... what? Chung Zhu is the guy that... I want to say Chun Zhu denies murdering the teenager and the attempted murder of Mr. Xiang. But he admits killing Wen Jing. Then you did do it. I don't understand that. Like, how do you deny something and then all of a sudden admit it? I don't know. But, but he admits the killing of Wen Jing and the unlawful wounding of Mr. Zhang. Mr. Zhang, 38, described in detail how Mr. Zhu, 32, attacked him after asking him to get some fish from a freezer in the basement. Uh, he was using two knives and stabbing me. I was struggling with him, said Mr. Zhang, speaking with the help of an interpreter at the Methotrer Tifdil Crown Court. Um, I asked him, what is wrong with you today? Uh, he was stabbed in the neck, uh, face and in the side of his torso, with ten separate injuries. Mr. Zhang said the floor had become so slippery because he was bleeding so much. Uh, he was very fierce, and it seemed he was going to kill, said Mr. Zhang. The court heard that his wife phoned the police and told him to go and open the door to the ambulance, and as he went upstairs, he discovered his stepdaughter. Mr. Zhang said that in September 2020, Mr. Zhu had um, visited the takeaway with his brother-in-law and collected 30,000 pounds 
as Mr. Zhu ran a muddy a money-changing business. The sum was supposed to go to friends in China, but as time went on, it became clear that only 16000 had been paid. Jurors were told that Mr. Zhu went to the takeaway to repay some of the money he owed the couple and the family uh, had eaten together. On Monday, the trial heard that an hour before Wen Jing was killed, Mr. Zhu, who was a heavy gambler, um, had used a search engine to ask, Can fingerprints be destroyed by fire? The trial continues. That is awful. Again, to Mr. and Mrs. Zhang, who um, lost their beautiful stepdaughter. I am so sorry. My deepest condolences to you. You guys did not deserve that. No one deserves anything like that. Next up is Kenya. We want to shout out Kenya because Rogue Radio has some friends in Kenya. So God bless you. Uh, we're going to read this article in honor of our friends in Kenya. We love you very much. I'm going to do my best to find something positive. I'm tired of the negative news in the world today. Hopefully we'll be able to find something beautiful to read. Okay, I found something pretty positive, so I want to read it. So it says, Kenya's Twiga... Uh, raises $50 million to scale food solutions across um, Africa. So, years ago, Americans spent most of their disposable income on food, but consistent investment in retail infrastructure has changed that. Now, they only spend 6% of their household income on food and beverages. Um, Africa still battles with this, and it is not hard to see why. The continent's retail markets are highly fragmented and mostly made up of a small and informer retailers and intermediaries. Did I say that right? Intermediaries. Okay. Uh, which is why a ton of tomatoes that costs about $100 in the U.S., for instance, costs about 400 in Kenya. Wow, I didn't know that. Since 2014, Twiga Foods um, has been using technology to build supply chains in food and retail distribution in the continent, starting with Kenya. Today, a seven-year-old company is announcing a $50 million Series C round to scale its efforts in the East African nation and other neighboring countries. Um, this funding comes from after or comes after the company's thirty million dollar Series B round, twenty three seventy five million equity, and six hundred. I'm sorry, six point two five million debt in 2019 per. Crunch-based Twiga has um, 
raised more than $100 million on both debt and equity financing rounds. For most of Twiga's um, operational history, it connected vendors and outlets with farmers via an app to access different agricultural produce. Um, but in 2019, the company began to connect FMCGs and manufacturers uh, with retailers in Kenya and bid to increase revenue, thereby dipping its hands into the space with regional players uh, such as Sakawatch and Market Force. We see ourselves as building one a one-stop shop for the informal retailer and all their needs. Uh, so that's what we're in evolving into as a business. CEO Peter uh, Nijanjo uh, said the TechCrunch uh, in an interview. The B2B e-commerce food distribution platform claims that over a hundred thousand customers use its services across uh, Kenya while delivering more than 600 metric tons of product to 10,000 plus retailers daily. Wow, that's beautiful. Nanjanjo affirms that the smallholder um, farmers remain at the core of Twiga's operations. Uh, but having worked with them at scale and distributing fresh produce uh, over the years, the Kenyan company uh, has identified some challenges, especially in the traceability of some produce like tomatoes. Twiga can effectively track food and produce from processing to distribution. However, there's bound to be some lapses in the production end of things where, for instance, farmers can apply a lot of pesticides to crops without Twiga's knowledge, hereby, or yeah, thereby uh, creating food safety problems for the end customer. To avoid situations like this in the future, Twiga, um, plans to personally handle the, and the value chains of some produce uh, where traceability can be an issue. For us, it's choosing value chains where you can manage the traceability issue while there are some value chains that will be harder to manage, the CEO said. The key thing is that we uh, now have a more blended approach. It is not just about working with small farmers. We will work with them, but uh, on some value chains. But we're looking at having a large, having large commercial farms integrated into our supply chain. <sighs> Give me a minute. <clears throat> Nijanjo um, says Twiga is investing in a proof of concept to develop an alternative way of producing food 
on the continent and cover both ends of traceability and mass scale. According to the company, uh, the proof of concept aims to reduce the price consumers pay for popular domestic plant-based food products by over 30%. That's amazing. Uh, once the company manages to set it up, Tishanjo says the model might be spun off as a separate business to maintain a more asset light approach uh, to expansion. The funding will be uh, used to test the concept. Twiga also plans to use part of the funding to roll out low-cost manufactured food and non-food uh, products under its brand before the end of the year. Most of the investors from Twiga's Series B uh, round in 2019 took part in this recent fundraise. This time, however, Paris and Nairobi-based family office and the and private equity firm Cridev led the Series C round. Um, Africa-focused uh, firms T TLCom Capital IFC Ventures, DOB Equity, and Goldman uh, Sachs spin-off Juven wrote follow-on checks too. Um, First-time investors OP FinFound Global and Endeavor Catalyst found or fund uh, participated as well. So there's a lot of funders right now, a lot of uh, investors in this company, which is really, really cool. Um, we are deeply convinced in Twiga's uh, potential and potential to revitalize informal retail across sub-Saharan Africa, said Pierre Fouvet, uh, Africa director at Cridev in a statement. Uh, tapping into 77 billion urban market, or sorry, tapping into a 77 billion dollar urban market in the continent, Twiga has uh, gained significant traction since uh, inception, leveraging and technology to optimize the food supply chain in African cities and constantly innovating to better tackle logistics, commercial, social, and environmental challenges. The round also presented a construction of Twiga's cap uh, table where earlier investors got some liquid. I'm sorry, liquidity? Um via 30 million secondary scale. When CEO Peter Njanjo spoke with TechCrunch in an interview in 2019, he's targeting a pan-African expansion by Q3 2020, um, but the pandemic and resulting lockdown stalled those plans. Yet Twiga made good use of the situation and quadrupled its revenues within that time. Um, and from April last year to August 2021, 
uh, two years on, the company, which now has more than a hundred in, or I'm sorry, a thousand employees, uh, is ready to make these moves and is expanding to other East African markets, Uganda and Tanzania, before the end of the year. It is currently working with development finance partners to figure out how to scale its proof of concept where it will act as an off-taker to sell his a horticultural crops from February 2022 across East Africa. That's incredible, guys. Um, we've been fairly successful in Kenya, so we want to consolidate our dominant position, um, clear out our proof of concept and expand to the neighboring countries, remarked Najanjo, who founded the company with ex-CEO Grante Brook. Um, let's see. Hitting these targets would set up Twiga for a bigger fundraise sometime next year, according to Najanjo. After that, Twiga will look at other markets. Uh, Conte Livoire, DRC Congo, um, Ghana and Nigeria. Let's see. Nijanjo adds that Twiga's um, expansion into Nigeria might involve might involve some M and A action. All right. I'm very happy that that's starting to happen for Kenya because I I don't know a lot about the poverty in Kenya, but I do know Africa does have some poor areas in general, so having, um, distributing, like, food like that for people, that is really gonna help feed some mouths. It's really cool. Now we're going to go up back into Europe and see what is going on with Belgium. I kind of found this interesting because I love Agatha Christie and I love um, reading her Poirot books. So this was kind of cool. I kind of want to go on it at some point. Um, but, you know, let's see. Visitors to embark on Orient Express adventure at Brussels exhibition. So, an exhibition uh, dedicated to the Orient Express, the train that was the scene for many novels, including Agatha Christie's, um, allows visitors to experience luxury, adventure, and intrigue. With the Orient Express, which opened on Tuesday, National Rail Company SNBC or S-C, wow, okay, hang on. Uh, SNCB's Museum Train World in uh, Sherbrooke uh, pays homage to the legendary train and its spiritual father, um, George Georges Nagelmackers from Liege. Uh, who helped put Belgium on the international railway map. 
Um, let's see. The first European transcontinental train made a 3,050-kilometer voyage between Paris and Constantinople twice each week. Um, let's see. Completing the journey in 62, or I'm sorry, in 67 hours. Um, it was operated by Nagelmacher's, uh, company, International Day Wagon Litz, the CIWL, um, until 1977. In its original configuration, the Orient Express, uh, was short-lived as it relied on the very specific economic, technical, industrial, political, and cultural conditions, but despite not actually um, operating for very long, the legend of the luxurious locomotive was uh, immortalized in art, including the cinemas and novels. Let's see here. Most notably, the mythical train provided this settle the setting of Agatha Christie's celebrated murder on the Orient Express, in which the Belgian detective Hercule Poirot follows clues to discover the killer. Um, Christie herself found inspiration having traveled on the train. Two carriages are showcased where visitors can discover the luxurious dining and sleeping cars in their splendor. Uh, the exhibition also paints a picture of the society that created this train by displaying archival documents and behind-the-scenes images of the train and the landscapes it uh, crossed as it connected Eastern and Western Europe. That's beautiful. I would really love to actually go on the real Orient Express at some point. That would just be beautiful. I love it. Uh, um... One of the train's original carriages, credit to Train World. Okay, that's credit to the picture. Anyway, for a few thousand euros, oh wow, wealthy tourists can still travel in style on the Orient Express via a company with ties to the French railway company SCNF. The Orient Express exhibition is a part of the Europalia Trains and Tracks Festival taking place across Belgium between the 14th of October and 15th of May 2022 uh, during which authentic coaches will be on display such as uh, the Royal Coach of Leopold II. Let's see. The timing of the festival is or this and this exhibition can coincides with the various moves being made by rail companies and national governments, including Belgium's, to make long-distance rail travel, uh, which is becoming more popular and more accessible and attractive. The festival's uh, program also looks at the future of the train and its growing role in sustainable travel. Um, Interactive workshops and debates will discuss with policymakers how uh, Europe's railways 
could or should develop. The Orient Express exhibition runs until the 17th of April 2022. Tickets are available. That's really cool. I'm jealous though. I'm jealous because I want to be on the Orient Express. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you in the trenches next time. I love you guys so much.